the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ramson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. Oh. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left oh. hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host. Today's guest is a good one, guys. It's a uh, minor league legend in his own, and uh, you know, if you're uh, a little bit bigger into following the enforcers that are kind of out in the realm uh, besides the NHL, well, like most guests I have, I suppose, uh, I've only interviewed really one uh, full-time NHLer with uh, Andre Wall there, but um, you know, you've, if you kind of dove into the fight scene a little bit and uh, dig around the minors a bit, you definitely know this guy's name, and that's uh, Jacques Mayotte, the mailman, so... Uh, I think it's going to be, a, I think it's, you guys are going to enjoy it. It's going to, it's had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I apologize. There was one question I fucking forgot to ask him and I was pissed at myself afterwards. It was about the, uh, the brawl in the WPHO where he was uh, with security. So I got to get that answer out of him. Um, but no, we were having a storm over here. Funny enough, of course, go figure it's uh, January and <laughs> got a little Florida. So we had to, we had a thunderstorm going on that day and I, we lost power for a little bit, actually, right before the um, the podcast was supposed to start. So I was all fuckered up from that, and I was kind of just like, ah, you know, damn it, I'm a, hold on, man. I got had to say hold on, and then I ended up making it happen. But I kind of almost kind of rushed a little bit, I guess. I didn't really rush. I won't, I won't say rush the interview. Like I'm not talking crazy fast in the interview or anything like that. Um, but just because I had a storm going on, so of course, right when I'm trying to do a podcast, go figure. Like I said, but uh, no, so I I was just kind of, uh, you know, going through everything, hoping I didn't lose power again, and then I lose signal, and then it fucks the whole thing up, but um, so that's my apologies, I didn't forget to ask him that one question, but other than that, uh, great interview, Matt was awesome, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Uh, you know, before we get to the interview, though, of course, we got to address a couple topics here, um, so it just came out about, maybe about an hour ago that Zach Cassian has been suspended two games, two games for roughing on uh, Kachuk there from the Flames. And, you know, hey, if you can still stomach that and watch the NHL and be happy, by all means, be my guest. But good freaking night. That was, oh. One, you know, there's 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 both ends of the spectrum there. We're in the sense that people want Cassian to burn on the stake and then other people want Kachuk to burn on the stake. Honestly, it was it was a nothing play. It was a hockey play. 
you know, a guy gets hit a couple times and, you know, I, I, I laugh at people. Oh, Cassian can't take a clean hit and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like those people that say that have never played a contact sport. You will go, you go out there and get hit a couple times. Tell me, tell me how much fun you're having or tell me how happy you are that you just got dumped in front of a, let alone an arena in front of people, uh, or excuse me, arena of people. But you know, it's never never fun to get put on your wallet or anything like that. You know, um, of course, I obviously didn't play uh, didn't play hockey at any crazy levels or bantam or anything growing up down here in Florida. But I did play football, and if you got pancaked in front of everybody, let me tell you, you're not you're not happy. <laughs> we'll put it that way. So the people who say he was in the wrong for uh, you know retaliating for a clean hit, no, no, that's what you're gonna that's what happens. And on Kachuk's part, I think he should have been held accountable for the. Uh, you know, it, I don't think Cassie was the wrong for tuning them up. He should have been held accountable. He knew who he was hitting. He hit him twice. And, you know, they. I thought the hits were clean personally. And that's just me looking. And I know uh, players have come out and said that it's a very vulnerable spot there. I don't really know. Uh, you know, that's, that's my two cents. Because from what I could see, the, I didn't think the head was the principal point of contact. Now, definitely the the hits towed the line a bit. But I didn't think as, as per, you know, like the big thing is the uh, the principal point of contact. And I personally didn't think it was the principal point. So I thought the hits were clean. Like I said, it was kind of that gray area, though, because I know it was kind of like the upper back area. And, you know, there might have been a little head contact in there. Um, so for Kachuk to do that and then not expect anything is kind of crazy to me. But excuse me. Here, let me get a sip of water. There we go. Sorry about that. I was going to have my water going because I, I, really, I really honestly, I don't, I don't talk too much. If you ever listen to the interviews, I really don't talk too much. I always let the players talk. So um, it's always a little bit different for me to fucking sit here and go on a rant a little bit. I got a couple topics here. But, yeah, so with that whole thing, you know, I think that's stupid enough. Uh, here's my biggest thing about it. With with how the NHL markets the, the markets the games. So it's, it's the Battle of Alberta. It's supposed to be huge rivalry night. And what do they show? They always show... The old time hockey, the the old days where it's you know Dave Hunter and or Dave Hunter, Tim Hunter and Dave Brown. Jesus Christ, I'm sitting there, uh, fucking mashing up their names. Uh, no, but Tim Hunter and Dave Brown going at it, or you know whatever the case may be. Of oh, look at these line brawls. Look how great of a rivalry this is. This is awesome. You know you should come watch our product. Well, then some some rivalry shit goes down, and now we're going to suspend uh, suspend the guy for it. That makes zero sense, and that's fucking absolutely greasy on the league, in my opinion. Um, and again, these are all, you know, obviously, this is me just being a grouchy old bastard from the couch. But it's, it's just super, I, I've gone over this on the podcast before, you know. The actions of Kachuk, the actions of Cassian, whatever, people can have their own opinion. The, th- the thing I hate the most about it is this. Uh, that I'm talking about right now, that the league will advertise the hell out of these. And same with the and enforcers in general. Though, if Anytime you go back and look at rivalries and shit, it's always the enforcers fighting. Hey, we'll market them, but we'll phase them out of the game. Fuck those guys, right? You know, yeah, that's not good. That, that wasn't good for hockey. Oh, but we'll market it. Oh, we'll, we'll market Battle of Alberta. This is great. This is awesome. We'll get in some ratings. And then next thing you know, some rivalry shit happens. And mind you, when Ka- <laughs> that's the thing, Cassian he he threw punches. Yes, he threw punches. It's not like he, you know Kachuk was out on his feet and he was just pumping them. Uh, it's it's just it's ridiculous, and it's, I don't know how you can watch it. But that's that's the biggest part to me. It's just it's just fucking greasy by the league to sit there and 
market these guys, make a profit off of them. Then when shit happens like that on the ice, the, the same thing that they marketed, you know, the same thing, the Battle of Alberta, everybody tune in. It's going to be great. Battle of Alberta happens. Oh, suspend them. Like, give me a damn break. Oh, it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, and I, I, I don't really watch the NHL and I shot myself in the foot the other night. I went to a uh, lightning game. I think it was, it was versus Vancouver. Um, my dad had gotten tickets and my, I always like spending time with my dad. Uh, you, you know, I, I really, I don't talk to my parents too, too much. You know, I know some, some kids do. And I, I talk to my parents maybe once a week, maybe. Um, and that's it for lucky. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I always like, my dad got free tickets and invited me along. And it was a nine to two game, or was it nine to two or nine to four, something like that. Either way, the Lightning scored nine fucking goals, and you know goals. That's great, you know, awesome, love it. Um, and of course, you know, I'm still at the end of the day, I still love hockey. I'm not saying I don't, I don't go there, and I'm not sitting in the stands, you know, grumpily sipping my Bud Light like, oh, boo hoo, this is so stupid. Why am I here? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that, but. No, it's just, just I, you know, I just sit there and I, you know, when I'm at the games like that, I, I have a little glimmer of hope that something's going to happen because it's, you know, it's it's hockey. You always hope something's there. And it happened last time I was at a game. But of course, you know, that was a rarity. And, you know, nine, nine to two, nine to four, whatever it was, it was like, you know, there was no pushback from Vancouver. And it's like you're going to let them run the score up like that, like shit. And of course, you know, the scrums would happen and everybody would get tough and the refs would come in. And I think there was maybe two or three scrums. And it was like the other night. Uh, I forget what the hits were, what they what they tallied it up. It was like, I don't know, 17 to 22. I'm like, I think I heard the boards rattle fucking twice. You know, I don't know. I don't know where you got those stats for the hits, but that's fucking ridiculous. But either way, you know, and here I am going off. I'm all ranty about the games now. Uh, moral of that story is. The NHL will market that shit, and then their product is nothing like it, and that's fucking greasy, and they turn their back on the enforcer, and that's what I don't like. Uh, so that's that's you know the bottom line there. Um, so I you know I'll run a little long here. Um, sorry, I got my notes here that I'm gonna pull up. Uh, you know, moving on from that. So we got the LNH special. Good news, I got my first guest finally, or first player guest, I should say. I've had uh, I've got the fourth line voice interview and uh john over in the uk i've got their interviews done and i finally got my first player guest done today and um i got or excuse me not done today um when was it two days ago jesus christ can't even think um but yes so it's finally done and it was uh if you follow the account on instagram or twitter or whatever you'll know that it was none other than uh curtis swanson who played up he played four and a half seasons but goddamn he racked up like 200 something 200-something fights. That's not penalty minutes. 200-something fights in that four-and-a-half-year span. So he was really rolling. But So I got that on the way. I got a couple other players lined up for it. Um, I was supposed to do one tonight, and both of our times are kind of – it's hard because he's, he's about two hours off from me, and then they have a freeze going on up there in Canada right now. But nonetheless, I think it's uh, it'll be good, and it's a familiar face you'll know. So, of course, when I don't like to announce an interview until after I do the interview that way. I don't, I don't bring false hopes to everybody. Um, so I'm waiting till, uh, I always wait till after the interview and then I'll announce who it is and everything like that. But I, you know, if, it, if everything goes right and all the players fall through, I think this LNA special is going to be really fucking good. So, uh, anyways, without further ado, we'll, 
we'll send it off there. Um, we'll end my rants and everything like that there and just my side notes. So, um, you know, before we get to all my, my plugins or whatever for my social media, I got to give a shout out to the, the other fellow podcast, of course, the original enforcer podcast with fourth line voice, go check his stuff out. Um, he's got a, he just had a new year's episode talking about some stuff. He's got episodes with John Brasty, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Dean Mayrant, Brad Wingfield, the list goes on. Um, and of course, you know, he's the original Forcer podcast, so definitely go check him out. And of course, William over at the biscuit, um, he's doing great stuff too. And what was it? God, I just listened to another one. Damn, I, I always forget because now I got I got a decent list of podcasts now, so everything kind of blends. It's starting to blend together now. Damn it! Um, but I know he just interviewed. Uh, it was a goalie. I can't remember his damn name, but definitely go check it out. And of course, if you want to go through the archives of the biscuit, you got episodes with George LaRock, Darren McCarty, and the wife of, of course, the greatest of all time, uh, Bob Probert, which is his wife, Danny Probert. So you can go check those out from him. And the boys over at Get the Gate. Um, although I'm a little disappointed, I haven't gotten an episode yet, out, boys. So if you're listening, I need to get in that. I need y'all to push out an episode. I know you switched over to every two weeks, like myself. So uh, maybe I'm just getting antsy. And then uh, two more. We got uh, Fred and Dave over at the Slewfoot Show. Hell, they just covered uh, the Matthew Kachuk and uh, Cassian thing pretty well over there. Was it Matt Kachuk? I don't know. Goddamn, the Kachuk's grow like damn weeds too. Uh, whatever Kachuk it is. But uh, they just covered it, and, you know, they told it exactly how it is. Like, it was a nothing play. There's nothing – no suspension should have been had, and I totally agree. So uh, they do good stuff of covering the uh, the modern game, just like uh, get the gate. And then last but not least, uh, Dan over at the Obey the Puck show with uh, Paul and Kelly. They're doing good stuff as well, and they're really griping about the NHL officiating, and I couldn't agree more. So anyways, there's the fix. You got your, your enforcer podcast, and you got your current stuff without people shitting on players and being – being assholes about it so there you go there's your plugins and then so last but not least here we are with my social media plugins i actually wrote them down this time because i always get them mixed up because i've had to you know write it down three different ways for (laughs) different uh different formats so on facebook go check it out it's the best enforcers and hockey fights group it's a facebook group just send a join request uh, join a request excuse me and i'll accept you right away and we got great guys in there former players I mean, I don't even know where the where to start with the list. Uh, guys who played juniors, ECHL. We got you know Ken Tasker in there, John Morasti, uh, Kevin Kaminsky, guys like that. I mean, the list goes on, and that's just me trying to think off the top of my head. I know we got plenty more. And Todd Screwy St. Louis, who was another guest of the uh, Fourth Line Voice, he's actually a moderator in there, and Screwy does a great job on there as well. But uh, so go check that group out. What I do is I post fights daily. We get stories from the boys, and it's kind of like a I don't know. It's almost like a blog, and I, you know, I try my best. Of course, everybody, well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, right? So, of course, you know, there's a co- the occasional yahoos that take it to extremes and shit like that in there. Um, but I mean, they're blocked and deleted right away. So, um, you know, if somebody does start getting stupid, there's uh, there's no questions asked. Just fucking, we just block them because there's no time for stupidity in there. Anybody who starts shitting on the boys or anything like that, fuck them. Um, but yeah, so definitely go check it out. I post fights on there all the time. Other people post fights. It's it's the way I can describe it. It's like a it's like a forum slash newer like um, I don't know his. Well, I can't even think of the word. But it's kind of like a drop your gloves where everybody can kind of put their own thing in, and you know put own pictures or some people like you know oh here's this picture of Bobby Probert I took back in you know back in the Joe in '92 or something like that you know. Uh, so it's a lot of fun in there, and you know, like I said, besides the occasion, for every asshole, there's 43 other dudes who are awesome. So uh, don't mind that. 
And then, of course, on Facebook still, uh, we also have the Five for Fighting podcast page. It's just a page. You go over and give it a like, and, you know, it'll be uh, there. And it'll keep you updated if you're on Facebook more than anything else. I'll keep you updated on there. I always post new episodes. I'll post a couple things there, here and there from uh, from the group, or not the group page, the uh, the podcast page there. And then, of course, on Twitter, we have five for, it's the at Five for Fighting Pod. If you want to follow me, I'm bitching on there about the game all the time as well. So, um if for what, if you're crazy enough to not have enough of me bitching now, uh, you can get more of it there at Twitter at Five for Fighting Pod, and the five is the number five because the other way is taking or five or five for fighting is taken, so it has to be the number five and then for Fighting Pod, and then last but not least, Instagram, which is Five for Fighting Pod, all spelled out, no numbers or anything like that, just Five for Fighting Pod. So whatever social media uh, you have, I'm on it. So, well, there we go. This is probably the longest intro I've ever had, actually. Jesus. Um, I think I've yapped enough. We'll go ahead and, you know, get some packages delivered from the mailman, and we'll kick it over to Jacques Mayotte. I hope everybody enjoys, and hope you have a great day. Bye, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. All right. Here today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a legendary guest. He had 3,093 career penalty minutes, some that aren't even on there legendary minor league enforcer who also played a few games in the NHL, Jacques the Mailman Mayotte. Jacques, how you doing today? I'm doing really good, sir. Thank you for calling. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come onto the show, man, and, you know, tell some stories. And, you know, you're one of the guys who grinded it out. With the, well, you had a hell of a damn career, honestly. Um, so to be able to kind of get on and tell some stories for everybody about the, the career of the legendary mailman, I think it's going to be good and people are going to love it. Well, like I said, it's it's for the the the, the older people out there. They know, but for the youngest youngest uh, fans out there, it's, it's just uh, it, it's something that they need to take a look at it and, and see that um, back in the days there were some guys out there that can do the job, and uh, they were pretty good at it too. So I'm just one of the guys that was out there back in the days doing what was best for the game. Right. Well, you know, I guess we'll well actually before we get into your career, man, what are you up to in uh in life after hockey right now? Well, right now, like I said, I just had another surgery on my shoulder because I'm too old. I keep throwing left punches, so uh those are catching up with me. So I'm gonna be resting for about a couple of weeks. And then uh I also work for uh, Amazon Logistics. I'm a uh, safety and security manager at the warehouse. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a good life after hockey. You know, this, I love living in Texas. Um, I have me, uh, my fiance and I just got a house and life is good. Like I said, we're, we're on the low key. You know, there's no need to be flamboyant anymore or under the spotlight. Um, but, you know, life goes on after the game. You got to keep on going. And that's what we have to do. Right. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. And, uh, you know, I hope hopefully the surgery kind of you heal up a little bit faster than than usual. That way you're not down for the count for a while there. Um, but, uh, well, I guess we'll jump right into it, man. So did you you were born in um, where were you? Oh, um, Shawinigan. So Shawinigan. Yep, good little sh- fun. That's fun to say. Um, <laughs> but were you, you know, Born on ice, pretty much, and then you, or did you kind of start playing hockey a little bit later in your life? No, I first started skiing. I was probably about five years old. You know, I just think about it. You're from the middle. I'm in 
smack down in the middle of Quebec City and Quebec province. And all you live by is Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada, which is, it was the French version of Hockey Night in Canada, which they only show Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, I grew up with that. Saturday night, 8 o'clock, um, that was the deal. We'd sit in front of the TV and, and watch the hockey game. But uh, me and my brother, my kid brother, I have a brother that's about uh, 14 months younger than me. And we, we every weekend, we'd, we'd get out there and go to the outside rink and go play. We'd go play shinny. And uh, those were the fun days. So I remember getting out there probably 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, and you sit in the snowbank, and then what you do is you put in your skate. And you get out there and you play. You get like 20 against 20. And one of my sisters would come by to have but the rink around lunchtime, and she'd bring us a sandwich and a and a coke. And we'd sit in the snowbank. And, and I remember taking our coke and then sticking it inside the snow so it would stay cold. And then we'd eat our sandwiches, and and we'd be out there playing, and then get back out there until probably three or four o'clock when we would done and tired and and then taking our skates up and putting our our blade to the stick and then put it on our shoulder and walking back home that was that was what we did every weekend that was that was the fun part that's like i said you start a young age and then you know we didn't we didn't have those uh facilities that they have today the only time we get to go work be in the league or something is when you're five six seven years old you start young well, you have to be at the rink at five o'clock in the, on Saturday morning, and it's not every parent that can do that. But back in the days, that's what they were doing. You know, we're thankful our parents did that for us. Right. Five years, yeah, five years old. I was a young, little kid and not much talent, but you know, just love the game. So, what do you do? You you in, you in Quebec? It's winter. It's year round, and so you play hockey. Right, exactly. Yeah, when I was up there in Quebec, um, when I was up in Montreal, man, it was uh, it was snow on the ground and everything like that. It's, I don't think I'd be able to do what you did down the, down here in Florida, <laughs> as we were having a thunderstorm uh-uh. today in January. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Well, so when did when did the kind of uh, like the enforcer role kind of come over you? When did that the fighting and everything kind of come into play for you? Well, uh, I was playing in the junior uh, B league and and showing again. And then they had the major junior, which is they had the um, this, the team is still there in Shawinigan. Uh, it's the only team that's uh, that's been there since the beginning of the uh, uh, the Q. You know, the Quebec Major Junior. Shawinigan is the only team that's been there forever. So anyway, that was a junior B league, and I was playing that, and I'm 17 years old. You know, I was just having fun. It was just like organized hockey. Uh, they took players from, you know, they were not making to major junior or junior A. So they said, okay, we're going to put you in the junior B. So it's 17 to uh, 20 years old kid. I'm 17, and we play against an, uh, a team one day, and um, I went beyond the net, and this guy was there, and it pushed me. I pushed him, and I said, I want to start a fight. And then that guy beat the crap out of me <laughs> I, you know, I mean he was like 19 years old he was a big defenseman and I mean he just I don't like I said it was I remember going home 
and, and my face was black and blue and, and, and I said, I'm never playing hockey again. And, and, and my dad said, okay, you know, he said, but you're going to, you're going to mess on something. He said, you want to be like that? He said, think about it. Adversity, you know, he didn't say that way, but he said it in a few words that was not too kind. So right. basically he said, he said, you want to live with your, your tail between your legs the rest of your life? Fine. But be a man and get out there and do something about it. So, you know, I'm like, okay, got to think about it. And the season went on and on and on. And, and that's when I started to watch, you know, pay attention to more of those guys on the ice that's doing the job. You know, Chris Nyland, Tiger Williams, you know, all these guys, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that was tough. And, and, and there was that, you know, big guys. And the last game of a season, we play against these same guys. And I went to that guy, and I kicked the shit of that guy. Excuse me for the S word, but... Oh, you can you can swear on what, here. This is this is a this is a okay. swearing friendly podcast. You can say whatever you want, All man. Right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I kicked the shit out of the guy. Seriously, I mean, I was like, and and everybody was like in awe that I could do that. I mean, beating a twenty year old kid when I'm I'm only seventeen and 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 being able to do it, and then I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, this is pretty. I I got the skill for that, you know. But but still, you never you never put it together, and then you know life goes on and blah blah blah, and then I ended up going down to uh, play. Remember one time I got a call from some guy I'd never heard of before. He said uh, we have a league down in the uh, uh, Lower Quebec and uh, Rimouski. I'm like, okay, what's that? He said, well, it's Northern Quebec, and we have like a senior league. You want to come and play with us? And I'm like. Uh, well, okay, I was, I was pretty much done with school and all that. And then, you know, don't have any plans for the future. So they said, we'll give you, you know, $500 a week, pay for your rent. I said, $500 a week? I said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm on my way. So packed my, my things and then went down there and ended up playing three years down there. It was, and that's when I really started to, you know, make a name for myself. Right. Well, um, how did you kind of get into the uh, the AHL here with the Baltimore Skipjacks? Well, let's see. That that's when it all started. I mean, um, former Quebec players, uh, Serge uh, Bernier, played with the Nordique for a long time. Uh, my last year in Rimouski, he came and played with us, and we were talking one time and sitting at the back of the bus one day, and he said. I said, why are you here? I said, what do you mean, why are you here? He said, you can make a shitload of money playing pro. I said, oh, come on. I said, you're spoiling my leg. He said, no. He said, I'm telling you. Get out there. And he said, you're young. You're good. You're tough. You know, he said, you're going to earn some skill. And he said, just get out there. I said, really? He said, yeah. I'd be out there. If I, were you, I would go. So, you know, didn't get much about it. But it stays in the back on my head and I'm like, okay. So I said, I'm going to send some resume and not knowing a lot of English. You can only imagine what it was like. So, right. But I did not send anything to Montreal, the flyers and, and, uh, Edmonton for obvious reasons. They had already their tough guys there. So I said, you know, I'm a young guy. 
I have skills about this. I'd like to offer my services. All I need is a chance to come and show you what I can do. And um, oddly enough, <laughs> this is funny when thinking back. I'm like, people are like, this guy's a lunatic. He can't, can't believe. It. No, I, I got I got some answers back. But what what struck me the bit, the, the most is that Quebec is the one that called me back. And think about a French kid. And I thought about it. It's okay. I don't speak English. Not a whole lot. And then I think if I could go there, it'd be easier for me. So out of, you know, the four teams that I were interested, I said, I'm going to go to Quebec. So August the 4th, I got a call from uh, Martin Madden. And he said, uh, my name is Martin Madden and the GM of Quebec. I said, yeah, I know. He said, uh, you serious? He said, yeah, you're a real guy? Said, yeah, the real guy. So he said, we'd like to uh, invite you to our training camp. He said, it's a September 14th. Do you think you can be ready? I said, sir, I was born ready. I know it's a cliche to say that, but, you know, you're just excited. Right. And then um, I'm all pumped up. I'm in my, in my parents' basement, and I, I'm, like, jumping up and down. So as I go upstairs, they tell my mom, my dad is sitting there in 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 this rocking chair, and I said, "Dad, Dad, guess what? I just got a call. I'm going to go to Quebec training camp." And my dad stopped rocking, and he looked at me, and he said, "Oh, that's good." I said, "It's so exciting." He said, "Yeah," but he said, "Look at," he said, "Hey," he said, "Just go out there for a couple of days, two or three days, have fun, have a dream, live 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 it." He said, "You know, you're not going to make it." And it just deflated my balloon so much. And I remember my mom standing by my side, and she was just rubbing my back and said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I said, how come my own dad says that to me, that I'm not going to make it? So we went back downstairs, and I cried, and I cried, and I said, you know what? I'm going to prove everybody wrong, especially one person in this world that's going to be wrong. And, and from then... I was not going to be denied. So I said, okay, I have a, I have a plan. I'm going to do, there's five steps for me to, de, to get to the NHL. Step one, get invited. I did that. Step two, make it to the uh, pro camp. Like, you know, you had the rookie camp and then the pro camp back then. Said, Number three, get a contract. Number four, play in the minors. Number five, play the NHL. So that was my plan, you know. I, I set goals. I said, okay, I'm going to be clear. Don't jump the hurdle. Just don't go too fast. First thing first, do this. Second thing, then then, then get notice. And, and that's what I did. I went to training camp, and my first day, um, got a couple scraps with uh, Richard Zemlak and then Scott Shaughnessy. And the next day, I got two more fights with uh, Shaughnessy and, and really, really put it on, on the – I mean – Scott is a great guy, don't get me wrong, but he was not the, the enforcer. I mean, he was just a big, big, big American kid and 6'4", 225, so they, they kind of put him in this role. And and I really beat him up pretty bad. So and I skated I, I skated at, at the end of the, the practice, and then Coach Ron LaPointe was there, and he patted me on the show. He said, good job, kid, you got your contract. Just like that. Well, there you go. That's one way to do it. <laughs> um, well, a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about from that um, 
from that express team right before Quebec was uh, Trevor Steinberg, Jim Agnew, and Max Mittendorf. What was it like with those guys? Um, this is amazing. I'll I tell you what. Uh, Trevor Steinberg is, listen to this. this. This is a true story. Him and Max were good friends, okay? So I'm walking into the uh, practice rink at Quebec training camp. Like I said, I got a, a bag on my shoulder. So I, I go over there and they said, okay, walk in this room. And I see all these players and I see the Nordic jersey and then and I put my stuff down, and I don't know what to do. I'm just looking around. And then Travis Steinberg is the guy that got up, introduced it, came to me and introduced himself, and asked me my name and all that. And after that, Max Lindendorf, the guy, came after me. And and I always thought that was, you know, these guys, I, so I started to research it. These guys have been drafted first round, second round. And, said, and then he come and talked to me. I was like, wow, this is so cool, you know. And, and from from that moment, I, I – I knew, I knew down deep inside that said, you know, hey, I belong here, you know, because you you feel odd, you you just like, you've just been invited, you nobody gives you a chance, you know. I mean, the newspaper just treated me like I was the circus clown, and no, nobody gave me give me a chance to make it. But these two guys, they got up and they came and talked to me, even though I didn't say a lot of English. Um, but it it, it was. It's a moment that I will always remember. And I even told uh, Sonny the other day when I talked to him, I said, Dude, I said, I will always remember that day that you came and talked to me and shook my hand. And, and it was just amazing to me to see these guys. I mean, like I said, it it, it left a big, big uh, impact uh, on me and, and on, on what would follow after that. Right. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love I've, – I've been in touch with Max um... – on social media through like Twitter and then the Facebook group, of course. And Max Mittendorf is awesome, man. I love I love talking to Max. Um, great dude. And um, you know, for those out there listening, you can also go check Max Mittendorf's episode out on Fourth Line Voice. It's I forget what, exactly what episode number it is, but you can definitely go check that out. Um, well, what was it kind of like? You know, you know, I, I suppose at this point you probably didn't didn't give a shit. Um, as to what team you went on, because I mean it's the NHL after all. But was it kind of weird going on the Quebec Nordiques growing up as a uh, as a Canadians fan, so so this okay. This is what I do. They go to send you down to Fredericton to uh, the AHL level, and then, which I knew I was fine. I mean, um, I get down there, but I don't have a contract yet. You know, I just go and practice, and I still haven't signed a contract. Uh, I'm just they're just paying for my 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 uh, hotel, and. They say, well, we're going to get you a game here and there, here and there. So uh, they want to put you at 25-game tryout. And I'm like, okay, that's, a, you know, it, it's good to know. So I have a PPO. So one night we go down to Sherbrooke and we play the baby halves. And there's a guy named Steven Fletcher. He's a big, big guy. He's, he's been there for a couple of years. He's a african-american he's, he's just very intimidating and he's been running the show you know basically in the ahl and uh i was playing for freddie then and then we got a fight in the second period and i did really really good like i said i did really really good where to the point where people like open their eyes and say wow can't believe you just put this big guy down so the next morning ron lapointe was the coach in quebec 
he had been promoted to Quebec, called me in the hotel and said, kid, what you've done last night, it was, it was the beginning of your career. I said, okay, and then you coach, blah, blah, blah. So I said, when, when do we get my contract? He said, well, we're going to get to your contracts too. So the, the thing goes on, and, and Quebec is like yanking my chain. You know, They're not doing anything. So I'm sitting in the back of the bus, going back. We're busing back then to uh, uh, Fredericton. And I'm sitting in the back of the bus talking to Mark Crawford, you know, who's now with Chicago. And Crow was telling me, he said, hey, listen, Vancouver, because he was with Vancouver at the time. And we were sharing the team. And Freddie, Vancouver and Quebec were sharing a team. He said, Vancouver wants to sign you. You know, we, we, we want you guys on here. And he, he said, just let me know what we can do. I said, I said, well, I'm, I'm supposed to get a contract. He said, well, you haven't got your contract. So I remember telling, telling the, the coach, I said, hey, if I don't get a contract tomorrow, I'm going to have to quit. And the coach looked at me and said, oh, hey, whatever. And then never got a contract, never got a call from Quebec. So I got out of the bus on my way to Fredericton. I stopped by Ramuski. And I got out of the bus, just like that, and went home. That was it? I just, <laughs> that was it. I'm done. I was, you know, at the time, but they could have just turned around and said, yeah, who cares about that kid? Let's go, you know, move on. I didn't realize that. I was just, see, in my head, I was so stubborn and, and foolish that I didn't realize what I was doing. I took a I took a big gamble. Anyway, the next day I got a call and, and they said, "Okay, yes, you you are you own the contract. We're going to send you back." So I flew back from from uh, Rimouski to Fredericton and signed a contract. It was an AHL contract. Uh, it was worth uh, twenty five thousand dollars. But if you look back in the nineteen eighty seven. It was pretty good money back twenty five thousand dollars. Oh yeah, money. for sure. Hell, that's okay. good. That's good money for me now. I'll take twenty five grand. <laughs> or a guy that never had anything. So and then uh, I moved in with uh, Ronnie Tucknut. We rented a house in Freddie, and and uh, Ronnie Ronnie was my first roommate. So that that was the beginning of my of my career. I mean, I played the uh, AHL in Freddie for half the season, but then. Uh, after Ron the point got called up, we had another coach named BJ McDonald, and he was working with Vancouver. And you know, uh, you know, it was hard for for him to play the Quebec guy more than the Vancouver guy. So I became a number. I became a, a guy that needed to be removed. So we had guys like uh, uh, Kip, uh, Keith Miller, uh, Jean Francois No, Claude Julien. When we got sent down to Baltimore, you know the guys that coach in Montreal now. Yep. Well, Julian was sent down to because of the numbers we had too many players, and then coach says, "Well, we're going to send you down to Baltimore. You're going to get some ice time down there and get to play, and then bring you back for the playoffs." So I said, "Okay." That's ended up going down to Baltimore, and uh, and I really got some ice time down there, and I think that was really good, good, good opportunity for me to. To, to learn something, like I said, I was in a hockey environment. I was living and breathing hockey 24-7, so that was good. Plus, I got to work on my English, so that was pretty good, too. Well, there you go. <laughs> now you can really negotiate your contracts a little bit better. <laughs> um, 
Well, you know, we we'd, we had talked about it before we hit record, um, and I want to go over the story, though, of uh, your first game against Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it was it – was, it was, I got called up December 12, 1988. Uh, Montreal, uh, Quebec says, Doug Carpenter was my coach in, in the Halifax, and we're having a morning skate. That's a Monday morning. And then after the skate, he comes away by the bench. I mean, after practice, and I'm still on the ice. You know, you know, after the ice, we guys stay out there and just do stuff around. So he called me over to the bench. He said, "How you doing?" I said, "I'm doing good, Coach. What's going on?" He said, uh, "Need to pack your bag. Showtime." And I'm like, "What?" He said, "You got the call. You get going. You got to get off the ice and get going." So I remember walking off the ice and going to the locker room and going to my stall in the locker room. And, and I had like half a dozen of sticks that were all taped together. And my bag was packed and, and then in front of that with my gear in there. But what it is, is that only a few players came and talked to me that I was going up, you know, and, and it was just odd, but you know, I was, not supposed to be the guy called up. So anyway, I got called up. We go. My first ever game was Montreal in Quebec um, on December 15, 1988, which turned out to be the last game of Coach Lapointe because um, he had cancer and he had to step down. So they named Jean Perron uh, the new the replacing coach. So we go to Calgary. We have, we got the read the holiday and then they said we're going to go to west coast trip so i said okay no problem so we'll go calgary edmonton winnipeg and and so during the holidays all cool calgary i'm sitting there on and probably don't have a ship yet and then tim hunter was just running around and joe sacking was his first year and he got cross-checked really hard by uh tim hunter so you know everybody's screaming and yelling and I'm like, you know, piece of crap and all that. And, and so my coach looked at me, I said, Hey, I need to go out there. So the next shift, when Tim Hunter went back out there, I went back out there and I tried to fight him. And he looked at me, said, you're a rookie. He said, get lost, get the fuck out of here. And nothing happened. And I said, okay, no problem. You know, so then I skated towards, uh, Theo Fleury, who was his first ever NHL game. Uh, and I said, I'm going to come out to you and you won't see the end of the game. And you look at me and said, what the fuck is that for? I said, I said, your guy is running my guy. I'm, I'm going to run you. He said, well, I said, you tell your guy that if he wants to take care of business, everything's going to be down the right way. So the next shift, Hunter skated by the bench and he nodded at me and I said, okay. And then we had a face up in our own zone, which a coach will never put a tough guy. I mean, who wanted to put a tough guy out there that, you know, his first ever game in the, the defensive zone to get a face off, you know, odds are like mm, zero to none. And Tim Hunter came and lined up next to me. And then after the, the drop, the puck, we got at each other. We fought really good. And the funny thing about that is the referee in charge of that man was Paul Stewart, who used to be a tough guy. And then he was like, all right, let him go, let him go, let him go. And then we just go, go, go. And he's, ah, keep giving him. Okay, let him go, let him go. 
So finally the fight ends. I don't know how long it lasted, probably about five hours. And, I mean, it was screaming everywhere. 18,000 fans screaming and all that. And and then Paul Soros came up and he said, good job, kid. Welcome to the league. And I remember going down the tunnel and, and my heart was just pounding. And, I mean, I was just shaking everywhere. And, and so that was the beginning of, of – of, of my long, long, long career, 14 years, but uh, it was something I will always remember. Right. Man, what a, what a story. And of course, what a, what a great, or what better linesman to have in there than Paul Stewart? <laughs> because yeah. you know he'll let y'all I mean, go. <laughs> you talk about a referee that's been a tough guy. I mean, you, you could not have a better script than that. You're like, okay, this guy's a tough guy, but he played the game and then like, well, let him go. And then Tim Hunter was, of course, you know, one of the Real, real. Like he, he, he was the, he's a guy on it all of his own. I mean, he, he was a tough guy, but he, he still played the game. And but he was an honest fighter. That's what I always remember: an honest fighter, Chris Dylan, Tim Hunter. You know, all these guys were honest. They did their job. Nothing sneaky, nothing dirty, and and that's it. They care business. Skate away. Right. Um. Yeah, well, Nyland's my all-time favorite. I'm, I was a huge Chris Nyland fan, so I always have respect for him, um, and especially after, after what he did for me um, in Montreal, of course. But um, uh, So the other fight I wanted to ask you about, well, I guess two fights would be your fights in uh, when you were in Bo- or against Boston. Excuse me, I think you were in Quebec, but um, you were against Boston. Yep. It was uh, Neely and uh, Lyndon Byers. What was it like fighting those two? Well, uh, the first fight was with Byers. Second period, um, game is, you know, going back and forth. And, and I'm like, okay, so get lined up at the blue line with a face up. And, and Byers next to me, and uh, he looked at me and said, uh, you want to give it a go? I said, sure. He said, okay, after the puck drop, no problem. That was like, that was cool. Not, not cool because we were not jumping each other, but we just look at each other and say, okay, ready to go. And then we did. We got a good good scrap, and until the end, where I tried to lift his pants and tried to dump it, but then I slip, and I'm the one ending up on the ice. But that's okay. That's that. My coach was happy, and that, and everybody was happy, and I thought I did a good job. So, but there was a guy playing for Boston named Cam Neely. I mean, he was just a wrecking machine. Listen, I have the utmost respect for that guy. I mean, he, he was just. Boy, he, he had two goals, two assists that game, I believe. And he had gotten in a fight earlier with uh, one of our players and beat the snot out of him. So there's like a minute and a half left in the game. He scored his second goal, make it 5-2. to two. And, and this is what I'm going to tell you. This has never, ever, ever happened to me before. Coach come running behind me, grab me by my shoulders. He said, Get the fuck out there and beat the shit out of him. I'm like, what? He said, get the fuck out there now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I had never had a coach tell me to go fight somebody, ever. That was the only time that I was not fighting on my own term. Because to me, fighting was, I had to do it in my own term. I had to be ready. I had to know what I was doing. I had to, you know what I'm saying? You had to have a purpose. You just right. go out there to fight. And, 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 and I fell out there and I went out there and then, 
you know, they announced the goal, blah, blah, blah. And they're not even starting the face off yet. And Cam Neely's like, SAA, coach sent me out of the fight. He looked at me and said, fuck off. And I'm like, fuck you then. I dropped my glove. And he was not ready. And I, I, I kind of jumped on him. And then the linesman jumped in. And it was this huge linesman. I think his name is Vic. C-V-I-K. He was like six foot seven or something. He's the first one to reach in, and he pulls me. But what I did not know is because, like I said, I was not prepared. I didn't know Captain Lee was a lefty. Did I ever learn that? So we started throwing punches, and then he hit me with a laugh, and my knees just buckled. But I said, I'm not going down. The hell with it. So I'm going at it. He hit me again, and this time it hurt. It hit me square on the nose. I kid you not, he put my, my nose in my left ear. <laughs> Unbelievable. So then, you know, I'm bleeding, and then I, I keep fighting, and we go down, and then I remember getting up, and my face is just bloodied. And Terry O'Reilly was the coach, and I had to skate in front of their bench, and, I mean, they're giving me hell. And every player's on the bench, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm just pinching my nose because I don't want the blood to come over, and, so I make my way down to the tunnel, and like I said, when I look at myself in the mirror, my nose was gone. He was, he was sideways. Never, ever, ever did I ever had a guy tell me to go fight somebody. And to this day, I still have this feeling inside of me that it was wrong. First of all, I didn't want to go after a, a, a good player because I was against the code. You never go after a, a player that that did good in the game, and you never go after a coach to send you out there. So that was my that was the, the misfortune of it. But then, what really hurt me the most is that it's not the fact that I get I got beat up, so I was okay with that. But the next morning in the paper, the coach says, "Well, I just sent out." People said, "Why did you send Mayotte out there?" And he said, "Well, the game was over. I just wanted the kid to have some ice time, and he did what he did." And I was like, what a chicken shit. But you can't say that. Right. And, 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 and that was the beginning of the end because the guy covered his ass and then made me look like a fool. And I didn't look like a fool. I, people said, why are we out there? I mean, Cam Neely's a good 50-goal scorer. You don't want to fight the 50-goal scorer, you know? So that, that was a bad thing. And then after that, it, it went downhill. And my relationship with the coach was, you know, like I said, that's what it was to it was supposed to be, and they brought back Garrett, Darren Kimball, and they sent me down, and that was that was the end of it. Right. Well, that is unfortunate, man. Uh, but I mean, hey, you you get to say you at least uh, played a few NHL games, and that's more than anybody actually, probably ninety nine percent of the population can ever say. You know, so. it's, it's it's one game. I don't care if it's one game or one thousand game. You play one game in the best league of the world, and I mean, you could you could actually say you did it. So, right. yes, I've had my the bag five games, thirty three minutes, Pim. That's okay, but I was there. Uh, I can actually say my name is in the book, and so so be it. Exactly. Um, well, so the next year you end up in you end up in Halifax. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, or excuse me, I should say the same year. Um, once you got sent down. And the guy I wanted to ask you about, well, there's two of them, uh, one being Darren Kimball. What was it like with him? Well, see, what happened is that 
KB and I, we, 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 we were on the same team during training camp because we didn't, coach didn't want us to fight each other. We were both young guys, and then uh, Kimball beat the snot of a Gord Donnelly at training camp. <laughs> and people was like, wow, look at this kid. I mean, he's only 19, but he was the protector of Joe Sackett. They were on the same team. So we go down in, in, in Halifax, and then we had a good team. We had a tough team, you know. We had uh, Bird, you know, Big Bird. Yep, great that, was the, that was the guy I was going to ask you about next was Bird Dog. Bird Dog, oh, my God. Uh, you cannot imagine a guy like that. I mean, this guy, I don't think that guy, every, every word that came out of his mouth was funny. Every word, you know. And then we had, like, me, Scott Shaughnessy, um, we had Kimby, we had Joel Barajan, we oh man, we had a bunch of tough guys. I mean, we had a good team, like really tough. But Bird Dog and I, it was just like I said, it was just a tight group. We we had a good team, and then uh, then when I got called up, sent down, Kimby got called up, and we never got to play again after that. But you know, he was basically you know learning his robes. And I got called up before him, and he got called up and stayed out there because he was a younger kid and had a better future in front of him. So, and he was a good fighter. Uh, I mean, we never got to to fight each other, uh, but that was just the way it was. Right. But no, the team at Halifax was tough. I mean, I tell you a story about Bird Dog is that we're playing in the playoff against Moncton, and. Um, I was a scratch for the game, and then uh, things are bad. We're losing, and then there's a fight happening, and the and bird dogs in the penalty box, and then fans start coming at him. He decides to climb out of the box and go after the fans. <laughs> I kid you not. And I remember running through it and go try to go to help him, and I'm in the shirt and tie, and I'm trying to fit in there, and then people are just. And next thing I know, there's a helmet that came flying by. It was Bird Dog throwing his helmet. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> we have Mac, Trevor, and all these guys were on the, trying to climb over the glass. And But Bird Dog was just right there, just like doing his own thing. It was just crazy. But, man, he, uh, every time, like I said, this guy opened his mouth, he was funny. He was just funny. He was, he, he, you know, he would, he would basically, I don't know, go to war for you and he would die for you. That, that's just how bad he is. He would do it because he first game in the first time in training camp, we fought. And, um, after that, he like, you want to go up for a drink? I'm like, what? Yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll buy you lunch. I'm like, okay. You know, that that's just the kind of guy he was. And that's the kind of the, the friendship we had all the guys together, Max, Trevor. I mean, all the kids were out there. I mean, how do you, you fight a guy and you say, let's go for lunch. I'll buy you lunch. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But that, that's just the, the beauty of the game, you know? So now that those, those were the good times. And, and after that, uh, things went downhill for me because, uh, I didn't get, I, I, I did something that, that basically blew my career apart. Um, wearing a morning skate and coach come to me, said, uh, I'm not going to dress you up tonight. I said, I want to dress Jean-Marc Coutier. I said, fuck, he's got a cast on his hand. I said, let me play. No, he said, you know, the, the team we play, they don't have any tough guys. He said, uh, 
I want to see if he's got his legs going. And I said, Coach, come on, I want to play. He said, No, 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 you're, you're going to sit out. I want to like, and then turn around and once again, hot head, threw my stick up in the bleacher, tell him to go fuck himself, fuck you this, fuck you that, you piece of shit, blah, 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 in front of all the players, you know, screaming and skating off the eyes like an idiot. Not knowing what I was, you know, not understanding the consequences of it. Right. So I went home. I went home, and then that's it. The next day I came back to practice. Coach didn't say a word to me. Oh, Coach, I'm sorry. He said, okay, no problem. Just, you know, finish the season. Finish the season, you know. Because I thought I was a big shit. I made it to the NHL. Oh, yeah, I'm the big guy now. That was nothing. I was just fucking hot head. And then, uh, so I'm training this uh, summer, and then, I got a letter about two weeks before training camp. Says uh, Quebec says uh, uh, you are not welcome to camp. You you will get paid this year. Just stay home, and we will pay you. Not knowing what was going on, but I knew that down the road it was because of what I'd done. So right, you know. So strike number one, they strike you out. So I said, okay, I'm going to go down to Phoenix playing for the Roadrunner. There was an expansion team. We had guys like uh, Gabby Boudreaux playing down there, Brent Sepergia, and, you know, there was a a group of uh, 14th, Edmonton, Buffalo, uh, Detroit, and another team. They were sending extra players down there, so, in Phoenix. And then Gary Unger is the coach. Gary Unger, Iron Man, you know. Of, of, at the time, not a fancy, not a, a tough guy, but sure knows how to play the game. And the funny thing about him is, every after every every single practice after, we would get a, a shootout, and he would be the one going on there, and he wanted to win every time. I mean, I've never seen a coach do that. But anyway, so once again, I'm not playing much, but I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Life is good, you know, making good money. And then uh, he said, I'm not going to play you tonight. So I said, okay, no problem. Then after four or five games in a row without playing, I got pissed off. I walk into his office, blew a gasket again, strike two. Fuck you this, fuck you that, you know. And then, okay. Two days later, Donnie Waddell was the GM, says, uh, you're gone, kid. We're going to let you go. I'm like, you can't let me go. He said, well, we're going to send you down to uh, – uh, Hampton Road to go play in the East Coast. I said, okay, whatever. So, go down the East Coast. Guess who's my coach? John Brophy. Yep, exactly. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if you had any good Brophy stories. Well, listen to this. So, first of all, this assistant coach Kirk Brackenberry uh, meet me at the airport, pick me up, and. I kid you not, this guy, it was like in his 40s. He could still play. He was hes just ripped. He was just nothing but muscle. So we go to the rink, blah, blah, blah. And then um, the team is, is um, it's not playing. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to put you on the ice today and then do a workout. And then tomorrow you can skate with the team. I said, okay, no problem. Never had this kind of a workout before. I mean, they put me to the ringer the first day I got there. And they had this bike. I don't know what kind of bike it was, but in order to, to um, you had to pedal really hard and to create some kind of energy. I don't know. It was some kind of 
contraption. I don't know what it was, but uh, crazy, crazy things. And then Brophy, I met, I met the guy and all that, and everything's cool. So we got games and playing. And, and we were playing a game uh, one time, and then this guy that was on my team, Frank Malone, uh, went out there and did a, a boo-boo. And Brophy came, came around, and then Frank is about two guys to my right. And Brophy starts to choke the guy on the bench. The fuck are you doing out there? And he's choking him, like, and his face is, and then Brophy's face is red. He's got white hair, and he's choking the guy. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What's going on here? So the next day, Brophy was on the ice. We had practice. Then he had Frank Malone skate. I mean, red. he was at the gold line. He said, okay, whistle. Stop. Stop and go. Until the guy fell down to his knees, puke, couldn't even move his leg. His legs were shaking. I had never seen anybody get back skate like that in my life, and that was just that's just Brophy, right? That's <laughs> the only way to explain I it mean, is it's just Brophy. <laughs> yeah, but but back in the days, you didn't you didn't say anything. You just say okay, he's the whistle guy, and then you just go until the end of the whistle. Yep. And you know, at the end of practice, he just came and then shoot the shit with us, and that was it. That was that was the that was the end. I mean, like, wow, okay, that's a good story right there. Choked the guy, and then the next morning you skate the guy to death, and then after that you're having fun after practice. So that, but once again, is is after that I, I stayed in the, in Hampton for about I don't know maybe three weeks, and I got called up by uh, uh, Oilers. Uh, K. Brenton Oilers, Dave Andrews was the GM, and then Don McAdams was the coach. And they already had a tough guy named Mike Ware, but Mike Ware was hurt or something. So anyway, I get out there, and I did a good job. Played some, some good games, and then at the trade deadline, they brought in, um, what was his name? His dad was a coach in the OHL. He was a tough guy. He got traded from uh, Hartford to Edmonton. Anyway, so so coach says, uh, "Oh, well, we can't. We, we got to let you go." So I got okay from Cape Breton. I'm like, "Okay, where do I go now?" So I got a call from uh, Dave Parrish in Moncton. He said, "Hey, we need you to come down here." So I stopped bumping around. So I stopped, you know, driving around and getting bumped from one team to another. So that was the beginning of my, you know, uh, bus ride, basically, if you say so. Right. Um, <laughs> God, that Brophy story is still funny to me. I always, I always love hearing stories about Brophy. He's just such a like. He's just got stories for days on him. Um, uh, but what a character. Uh, before we get into the uh, the the old Colonial League, I wanted to ask you about a guy. Um, and some people out there might know him. He was the inspiration for the movie Goon. Um, but you, uh, you played with Doug Smith. What was it like playing with him? Well, I was. Uh... That's, my, that's because I was playing in Moncton at the time, and they had a senior league also, and then Dave Farish was the coach in, uh, in Moncton, and he said, he said uh, well, I, I could get you to play in the senior league, uh, make extra money, and get more ice time, because, you know, in Moncton, we didn't have a, I didn't get a lot of ice time. So I said, sure, no problem, you know, whatever. And then I go down to uh, Miramichi, yeah, the Packers, and so I introduced myself, you know, a bunch of guys. And um, Doug Smith was a rookie. He never played a game before. And um, 
But that first night, the coach says, uh, well, we're not going to pay you this much money. We're gonna give you. I said, no, you agreed to pay me this much money. Well, I said, no, we're going to give you just that. So I said, fuck, I'm not playing. And uh, I said, okay, I'm not playing. So I did not play. I went and watched the game. And then but Doug Smith was playing, and he got in a fight with Max Daviel that night. And uh, he did a good job. So anyway, the next day, things got taken care of. I got contract signed, and, you know, I got what I wanted. And I started to play, and then I took Doug Smith under my wing. And um, he was eager. I mean, he was just eager to learn. I mean, he, he just loved the game so much. And let's say he was not the great greatest skater. He was not the greatest uh, hockey player. But you know what? His heart was bigger than the rink. Right. And he was eager to learn. So, and, and you know, he sat beside me and, and we talk and talk and ask me what this and do that and do this and do that. So the one time we played uh, PEI, they had a game, a guy named Darwin McCutcheon. He's a big, tall guy, tough guy. Um, and then I fought him earlier that year. And I didn't look good at the beginning, but finally, at, towards the end of the fight, I took control of the fight, and I beat him up in PEI. So we're coming back, and then we play at home. And uh, Dougie says, I'm going to get that guy. I said, Dougie, I said, wait, you're not ready for him. You're not ready for him yet. Just wait. This guy's good. Well, you know, you got to give it, give credit to the kid. Wanted to name, make a name for himself. So get out there, got in the fight with McCutcheon, and beat the crap out of him. I mean, Dougie got his nose blooded and face, and and everybody was just like, look at that. And when I saw the fight going bad, I went and jumped in the, as a third man in to help my, my, my guy. So we had a brawl, and, um, you know, everybody's dispersed, and then everybody's on the bench is making fun of uh, my, 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 my team and my player and me, and so I skated towards, and I jumped in the bench of uh, <laughs> the other team. Just dove in the bench and um, got suspended for 20 games. So I was not allowed to play anymore in the in the, uh, in the league. And then I went down to play in Johnstown with uh, Steve Carlson. Funny story. I always get to go around with guys with, with names like John Brophy, you know, Steve Carlson. And right. So, okay, this is pretty cool. But, but yeah, Doug Smith was, was, he was a student of the game. I mean, he, he paid his dues. He was, he, like I said, he, I don't know how he, he ended up getting beat up so much, but he's still alive today. And that's a blessing. He's a good guy. He's a really good kid. And I have nothing but respect for him. And he, he really, really paid his dues and he, he paid a hard price but he never gave up he never ever ever gave up and that's that's like I said being resilient is part of being a tough guy but being that tough um, yes and, and you, you, you you see the guy he's, he's got the fire inside of him so that, that was like I said Doug Smith was, was, was a good good story for me that I can't remember I said you know what I took the kid under my wing and look what he what what he's done and and that's a pretty good story. So, absolutely, man. Um, well, so at this point in your career, are you kind of you kind of realize maybe the NHL is out of reach now, or are you still kind of hanging on a little bit and hopes of uh, making it back up there? Well, you know, I'm 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 still 
plan, and then I'm like, okay, what do I do next? What do I do next? And I'm 29 years old, 29 going on 30. Um, of course, nobody wants to touch me with a 10 feet uh, perch because of my outburst. So I was like, okay, uh, what do I do? What do I do? So then there's the Colonial League beginning, and guy called me, said, we just started a new league, and blah, blah. I said, okay, I'm coming down there. So I go down there. But I, was, I could play hockey. That's the whole point. I could play hockey. So I'm named captain of the team, the Bulldogs, and then I play with uh, two good guys from Boston, Tom Sasso and then Tommy Much. I mean, life is good. I'm, I'm playing. I'm the captain. I get some good fights. And, I mean, I, I was, like I said, I was in my prime. I, was, I had learned to, to fight, and I could score goals and get a lot of ice time, and so it was good until we had a – a bad game at home, and uh, there was a uh, against uh, St. Thomas, and um, we had a fight, and I skated around, go under the tunnel, and tried to came around to go fight the guys on the bench, on their bench, and then once again, is I got uh, got in trouble by the league, and then the coach for my team just released me. Just like that, because he didn't want to pay me while I was suspended. But making, like I said, I made a name for myself in that league and playing the Colonial League. So I ended up going to Detroit. Uh, then I went to Utica, and then I went to Quad City. So yep. I mean, I was bouncing around. I was bouncing around, but you know, it was a tough league. I mean, you have to remember this. Okay, I was the only tough guy on my team, pretty much all my life. But when you you went down to Thunder Bay, Thunder Bay was just like a mecca for the tough guys, okay? You could go, and then there was none. One, I think uh, Bill McDonald was our coach, and I, I think I would have loved to play for the guy because I, I got to talk to him a couple times, and he was such a good guy, but he was just a very honest coach. But you got guys, listen to this. So you start with... Uh, the Mangler, Mel yep. Engelstad. Mad Mel. Then you get you get Rammer, Bruce Ramsey. Then you get Vern Ray. You get Brian Wells, Trevor Converse. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And you got like, you look at the, the roster and say, shit, if I'm going to fight this guy, I got to fight this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Like, the, the, there's there's too many for you just to say, okay, how many am I going to fight? But, but that was, that's the way they were. And they, they played good hockey. And it was so tough to play that barn. Oh, my God. It was just an old rink. Uh, it was foggy, but dark. But I tell you what, though, the atmosphere that the fans was just like, you'd get on the ice and, and you'd get chills just because of the atmosphere you'd get. So, but that was that was that was really a good good time when I played down there. That colonial year was a good good stepping stone for me, where I really uh, managed to make a name for myself as a tough guy and a hockey player. Would get fourteen, fifteen goals a year, and then you know, forty points and three hundred pips. So I was like, okay, that's pretty good. I can do that. So no, but that was the uh, Thunder Bay was uh, one of the stops that you could just like. Look on your calendar, and then the way the schedule was made, you play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you knew that weekend was going to be a tough weekend. Oh yeah, pack a lunch, man. Um, what oh. was it? What was it like fighting uh, the Mangler? 
that's the whole point, you know. I mean, they're younger than me. They're probably five, six, seven years younger than me. They're, they're up and coming. And I, I, I'm the guy that, that's got a name. So they try to make a name for themselves. And, 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 but the beauty of it is that it was never done anything. And there was no cheap shot back in the days. It was always respect the code. And that's what I keep telling the people. You don't, you don't understand until you are part of the code. There's, there was a code out there that says respect your player, respect your opponent. Don't hit a guy when he's down. Don't cheap shot a guy. Don't start a fight if the guy's not ready, you know. So we would skate around, and, and guys like Mel and Rammer would, would come and say, hey, uh, like Rammer would call me Uncle Jocko. And he said, Uncle Jocko, let's go. I said, hey, Rammer, I just got off my shift. He said, okay, well, next time. He said, okay, next shift we'll do it. Okay, no problem. Same thing with Mel, you know. He said, let's. You want to go? I said, well, I said, uh, give me a couple of shifts and then I'll, 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 I'll dance with you. So that was the beauty of this back in the days. We, we, it was not stage, but we had respect, a lot of respect for each other, no matter what. And, and one night, I remember I'm, I had a cast on my hand. I had a broken thumb. And Rammer said, Uncle Jocko, you got to fight me. I said, Rammer, I can't. I got a cast on my hand. He said, bullshit. I said, no. So I showed him my cast. He said, fuck I said, I said, I'll tell you what. Second, third, first shift, get on the ice, I'll get you. So I went in their locker room, took a hacksaw, cut that cast off my hand, put my hand in the ice bucket for about 10 minutes so I could not feel my hand anymore. And right before we got on the ice, skating, you know, for the warm-up, we put the second period start, and then I can remember, I gave him the nod, he looked at me, said, okay. And we got in the fight, and that's it. We got in the penalty box. And that, that was the end of it. You know what I'm saying? But that was, that was the respect of it. It was not staged. My team was, was winning. He had to do something for his team. And, and but that was the, the, see, that's what I'm trying to tell people. You have to understand the, 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 the context of, of the game. He went out there, didn't just get in the fight for the fight, but he did a fight so he could spark his team. But he didn't do anything cheap. He didn't do anything, like, bad. He came and skated by me, asked me. I said, I, okay, I'll do it then. And we got things taking care of business. And after the game, we'd all meet at the same bar because there's only one bar in Thunder Bay. And they were there, and then they would, we would buy each other drinks. You know? That's, right. that's, that's, that's amazing, amazing stories. Like I said, to uh, have these guys, and then I remember down the road, Mel made it to the NHL. And I'm like, okay, well, the guy made the NHL because I put him on, I put him on the map. Uh, did the same with the uh, Robert's brother. I put him on the map. You know, I, I'm like, I did this. So if these guys, if I was not going to be such a hothead, I would have had a longer career. Okay, that's me being honest with you. Okay, I was an asshole. I was arrogant. I was cocky. I was full of myself. And if I would have learned to keep my mouth shut, I would have a longer career, okay? Even in the NHL. But because I was such a hothead and, and no control, they didn't want to deal with me. They didn't, they didn't need to. They had plenty of players out there to pick for. But that's, that's my biggest, biggest regret is not to be able to control my temper. Well, I mean, you know, you're young and you're going to make mistakes. Because, um, I mean, like that, like you said, at that point in the NHL, you were still probably I mean, still a kid. Um, 
So, you know, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, still, you, you managed to build a reputation even through the minor leagues yeah. and people still know who, who you are. Even today, people still know, oh, it's the, yeah. the mailman. I know the mailman, like, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's what, like I said, but I was a better fighter in my 30s than I was in my 20s because I started to watch video. I started to watch, say, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How is it, can I get in a fight without getting fight, uh, getting hurt? And, and if you look, the later fights on my uh, in my career, you would see what I would do is I would, I would you know, I would stand there and my, my left hand would be down on my side and my right hand would be up. And people never understood why. I said, because I don't need to be dancing around. I'm just getting ready for an opportunity. And then the guy would come at me because that's what they do. They launch forward and they try to grab you, right? I said, why would I grab a guy if I can punch him first? So my left was my, my, my secret weapon, basically. So it was on the side of my arm. They, they would not see it. And as they, they would launch forward, I would hit him first. Then I would grab and put my arms around his arms and then go get the, 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 the strong hand, which is they had a, a, I would grab their, their wrist and their shirt, their jersey, and then tie it up. And then I would pull it. And then, funny enough, my left hand was free, and their, both, both of their arms were locked in, in mine. And I would just go and wail at it. And then that's what I'm so like, damn, I should have done that a long time ago. But I understood that if I go in a fight, I don't get hurt, I don't lose the fight, my team don't lose the fight. But if you go out there and then you, you win the fight, but you're bloodied, it still gives the other team, say, oh, look, there's a big guy right there, he got bloodied. It, and sooner or later, you're gonna get you're gonna get punched. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I got I got my bells rung several times. Uh, one time, Martin late later, okay, um, he was playing in Brantford. I was playing in Utica, and first shift of the game, we got at it. And the only way I remember the game is because I watched the DVD. There's no way I remember anything. And he punched me hard. And and. But back in the days, they would say, Chaco, where you at? Well, I'm looking around and I say, I'm in, I'm in the rink. Oh, I'm at the hockey game. And they give you the salt and then make sure you're okay. You have a, you hurt here? No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, how many fingers do you see? Oh, I see two or three. So I, and then they send you back out there, you know? And, and, but it doesn't matter if you're uh, a name for yourself, you still get hurt. And, and the effect of it is, is you don't want to tell anyone. You know, I, like I said, you wouldn't, you, I don't remember, I cannot count all the nights that I went home having headaches and, and my bed would be turning around and I'd be throwing up just because I had got hit hard. But, you know, you, you're proud and you don't want to tell anybody, so you just keep on going. But that was, that was, that was the, the, like I said, that was back in the days when, when you, you were a fighter, you were a tough guy, and then. You, you you were important part of the team, just like a goal scorer. But a goal scorer can take four, five, six games off and won't skip a beat. But if you're a fighter and you miss one fight, they replace you right away. So there was no time for, for vacation for a tough guy back then. Right. Yeah, It's. I mean, it literally is that's it's the toughest job in sports and that's kind of what this podcast is for to kind of appreciate the boys um like yourself and of course you know mel and everybody else who did the uh did the role because it's so 
it's it really is. It's the toughest job in sports. All the injuries you got to go through, the mental aspect you got to go through leading up to a fight or games, or like the the mental aspect of when you might get sent down because uh, you might have lost one or something like that. So it really is. It's it's the toughest job in sports. And um, I forget who it was that said it, but it's they described it as it's it's a hard way to make an easy living. So yeah, I think that's a really good yeah. way to describe it. Um, that's, yeah, exactly. You know, you, it's a hard price to pay. Right. Because you, you, you like I said, uh, coach looks at you and say, you ready to go? Oh, yeah, I'm hurt. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Those were the words from Ron LaPointe to me. I'm hurt, coach. He said, hey, get the fuck out of there. Your heart's still beating. Like, okay. You know, oh, those, yeah. those were the, that, hey, he's right. Your heart's still beating. Get out there. You're not hurt. Get out there. So do, do what you have to do. So no, it, it was it was like you said, it was a hard living, uh, easy living with with uh, hard consequences. Exactly. But it was like I said, fourteen years for a little guy from Shawinigan that had nowhere to go, uh, no expectation, uh, play over seven hundred and fifty pro games. So I, I'm I'm pretty like I said, looking back, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm not proud of the way I did it sometimes because, I, like I said. I, I blew my career big time, but it is what it is. You know, I'm a better man now because of what I've done then. So, right. I'm, I live with that. Exactly. Um, well, man, I got to ask you about one more league. And then I have a couple of questions from other fans. Cause I posted this, uh, posted this in the group while we were doing it. Of course, you know, the group I posted, that I was interviewing you. Okay. So some people have some questions, but, um, before we get to those questions, we have the WPHL, um, you know, okay. what was it like out there in the Whipple? How, how'd you enjoy it? Well, first of all, it was amazing playing for uh, Bob Bourne. Bob Bourne was a amazing hockey man. He was an amazing man, period. I mean, talked to me and brought me down here and just made it clear that it was uh, what my role would be. But not only that, is that, listen, I'm 35 years old. Come and play in the Whipple. And Bob Bourne still put my name out there so I could go play in Utah in the IHL when I'm 35 years old. I get called out to go play for Butch Goring. The guys believed in me. I mean, it was amazing. Five-time Stanley Cup champion. This, but once again, he's, he was a, he was a understand, he was understanding the game and he knew what was what was going on in the mind of the players. And it was fun coming down here in Texas. Think about it. No winter. You get to come to shore, to the rink wearing shorts, play golf, play a little bit of hockey, have a good time. Life is great. So it was a good league. And I said the beginning was tough, but um, it turned out to be a good league. I don't regret my time in Texas. That's why I'm still in Texas. That team you had in Texas was unreal. You had yourself, Jason Tyler, Jason Clark, Peter Zerba, and Brad Wingfeld. Like that's you. You guys are ready to. If, if somebody wanted to play fuck around, you were ready. <laughs> well, um, not much of Jason Taylor as a tough guy, but there was another guy that nobody talked about. Is Herb Ragland? He came oh, to play okay, with yeah, us. yeah, yeah. Herb Herbie was was a tough guy. I'm telling you, you wouldn't fuck around with that guy. But but I remember Zerba and Wingfield and and I mean. Peter and I were, became really, really good friends, and so was Winger, and, and we were tough. But 
We also had another guy named Don McGrath, big guy from uh, New Brunswick. Um, we were tough. And, and Bob Board knew it, that we were tough, but we were a good team. And then we went to the final that year, and, and it was fun. But, but like I said, I'm, I'm 30-some years old, and I get called up to go to Utah with Zerba. And the funny thing is I said this, we both get called up at the same time. I'm at the grocery store. Back then, we didn't have any cell phones, okay? And then it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the Richard Krause, who's a, the trainer, Shaky, is looking all over town for me here in Temple, Texas. Because I got called up to go to Utah with Zerba. So finally, they found me. They said, yeah, you got called up. I was like, what? Come on, you know. So they rush me in a cab, take me to the to the airport, <laughs> and I get in the plane, and there's Peter Zerba sitting there, just like, oh my God, thank you, you're here. I said, what? I didn't want to go there by myself. I didn't want to go there by myself. I'm like, come on, sir, it's okay. So anyway, we go to Utah. So remember this: we're in Texas. It's it's in November. In Utah, it was cold. Oh yeah. I didn't bring it. We didn't bring any clothes. And we were waiting for the cat to come and pick us up at the airport. And Zerba was laying on the bench, just like a little, like a little baby fetus, and just like crawled in together and just like, I'm cold, I'm cold. So, but but that's just the, the story we remember. You know, it was it was a fun time. It was amazing. Absolutely, yeah. That Texas team was no joke, and uh, you know I had Zerba on uh, a few, I think two or three episodes back, and Zerba was awesome here. Um, on the show, so uh, definitely, if you're listening, definitely go check that one out after this. Um, but we'll get to the uh, the fan questions here. We covered a couple of them, actually. I'm looking at them now. Uh, so we covered a couple of them already, uh, just going through your career, so that was that's good. Um, but somebody asked, uh, Scott did, of what is your toughest fight against the Brantford Smoke in the old Colonial League, if you remember anybody from that team? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Martin Lafer, uh was a tough guy. Um, like I said, he, uh, I didn't know he was a lefty until I fought him once and then I fought him like, twice. I only fought him twice and twice, uh, it was hard. Um, but Bransford, they had a, they had a tough team. They had a guy named Corey Benica and he was, he was just a pest out there. He was just, and, 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 but he, he was not really a fighter, but he would fight anyway. Uh, he was not a heavyweight, but he would do the, the, the job. But Brentford had a tough team too. I mean, but they had some good players. Um, not, not like I said, not much of us as far as uh, big names players. I mean, not not big names, but uh, if I remember the, the guys in the Colonial League that was really guys that that really did a, a name is Sasha Lakavi that plays. He was playing for uh, the Chatham Wheels. Oh yeah, the late Sasha Lakovic. I love lo- I love the pit bull. <laughs> I mean, tell you what, that guy was a real deal. I mean, once again, came in. I mean, he's young. I'm older guy, and he's just. We had a couple of fights, and and I did give it to him a couple of times, but never stopped him. So, and he made a good living too. But sadly enough, uh, he's not with us anymore. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, rest in peace to uh, Sasha Lakovic, unfortunately. But um. You know, uh, I think his brother's still kicking around too. Uh, old Greg, uh, yeah, he played Red too. Still there. Yep, yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, so I guess we'll get one more question because yeah, I'm looking through, and like I said, we fuck, we covered them all. <laughs> we did good already. Um, so 
uh, this one is um, about the Quebec League and what was it like fighting Mike? Uh, well, I pronounce it Brault, but I know it's I think the French the French pronunciation is Mike Bro. Mike Bro. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. Um, I'm playing minor pro, playing in Utica, and I just got back from training camp in uh, Cornwall Aces. And then this guy said, I want you to come and play. He said, I'll give you $1,000 a game. I said, okay, I'm there. And uh, he said, we, we heard this. You heard this guy? I said, no, never heard of it. But Mike Bro was, was you know, the guy. He was the, the guy in the Quebec League, senior league, before the, the league that we know right now. He yep. was a, so Mike Bro was the guy. And then, uh, so they made a big deal out of it. Former Quebec Nordic is coming to Quebec City to face Mike Bro, and uh, I didn't want to fight that night. I didn't want to fight. I, I had no intention. I, had, I was going back. I was leaving in three days to go down to uh, Utica. I had a contract, so I didn't want to go out there and, and and do anything. You know what I'm saying? I just say I don't want to do it. And then uh, I never fought that first game, so. The fans were all on it, and then I got a bad rap because of that, but I didn't care. I got my money, and the owner was pissed off because I didn't fight and not so, you know, but I didn't want to do it. So finally, the following season, I said, okay, I'm, I'm back again, and and I'm going to do it this time. So we played at home, and I fought Mike Bro, and I knew he was a tough guy. I'd seen his fight, and, and I said, I know he's a brawler. He's just going to go, 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 go. and um, But that's what he said. He was a tough guy. He was an honest fighter. That's, that's once again, his old school guys. Um, we went at it, fought at the end of it. That was the only fight we got in that league until um, when I came to uh, Texas. There was a, a guy played in El Paso, Martin Ballou. And uh, Martin was friend, friends with uh, Mike, and then they brought Mike to play in, in uh, El Paso. And then uh, we got we got in a fight in El Paso, and, and I'm sorry, Mike, but I just outdid you that night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I did, it goes I that way. Getting, listen, I ended up going across the ice doing the moonwalk, and people were throwing tortillas at me. <laughs> swear to God. Swear to God. Um, but, but no, Mike, Mike was a tough, tough guy. I mean, he's never backed down from anybody. He's just, um, to me, like I said, he was a, an, an open fighter, a guy that would just say, okay, I'm going to throw punches and I'm going to get punches. Whoever can stand up the longest is the winner. So, but no, he, he was a tough guy. He was, he was not uh, a dirty player, which I always admire from another, uh, another point of view. Like I said, you know you're going to get out there. You're not going to get cross-checked, stick in the face, or spear, or some jump from behind. He's going to hit you. He's going to ask you. You're going to go, and that's it. So the, those are the, the good times that I remember. Mike Bro was a tough guy. Mike was a real tough guy. I, I, thought, I know he could take a punch because I, I hit him several times. But he, he, he would never back down. He would give, it, he would give you money, money's worth of it. Absolutely, and for those out there who don't know who Mike Bro is or Mike Brault, however, however you prefer to pronounce it, um, I, I think he still has the fight record to this day as far as most prof- or most career hockey fights of all time that are at least recorded. 
Um, I can't think of the exact number, but I know it's like it's like six hundred and something. It's ridiculous. It's some crazy. I don't number. know. Yeah. Yes, that's that's crazy. And you know what? Um, and in once again is he was a, a bouncer, a bouncer in a, in a club. And that's how he got to play to start to do the job. You know, it was rough and tough in, in, in those bars, and, and he would be a cleaner. I mean, I, w- I was watching Roadhouse the other night, and it's funny because I, I thought of him. That's exactly what he did. You know, he was a cooler, and he would just get out there and get the trash out. And, uh, no, he did He did get a lot of fights, and, and I'm, I'm glad he's, still, he's up in Quebec now. He's doing good, I hope, and, and that's, a, that's a beauty of it. He's a beauty. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Um well, there you have it, folks. Jacques the Mailman Mayotte. You know, we covered it all here. I think we got some good stories. Like I said, it's unfortunate I couldn't get your fight card up. Hockey fights only had your three in the NHL, which we covered those. Um, but we couldn't get the rest, so I can only kind of go off of some YouTube videos, unfortunately, since Drop Your Gloves is gone. But, you know, I think we got some great stories out of you. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the DVD. I sent you also. Like I said, it's uh, it's part of, uh, of what I've done. It's not all of it, but uh, I could only put two hours on it, so. You know, oh, only two hours of hockey fights. Yeah, <laughs> only two. Oh, yeah, that was that was that was, a good, that was a good one. But 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 once again, is is it's a different air. I want people to understand that um, in the '80s and the '90s, uh, you were not fighting the same way that you fight in the 2020s. Um, the role is different. The, the game has changed, and in I'm going to tell you my, my I, I told you that before. Okay. The way I see that, that that senior league in Quebec, when I see those guys squaring off, dropping, skating away from everybody, and then taking their helmets off and dancing around, circling each other like four or five minutes, I think it's disrespectful for the code of the fighter. Okay, I know it's a tough job. I know they have to do it, but to me, it's stage. It has no purpose in the game other than just send the fans uh, on the frenzy. Which hey, it's if that's what they do and that's what I would do it. I would not do it. Not for any money in the world I would not do that. Right. It's not for it's definitely not it. for everybody. Yeah. But but you know, there's there's a lot of good fighters in that league right now that um to me is like John Moresti. He's a short guy. I mean, I would have loved to work with that guy when he was coming up and then said I would have loved to teach him take him under my wing and say, Listen, you're good. I'd like to do this same with the animal, Terrio. I would love to, to take that guy and says, Listen, let me show you this, this and that and and you're gonna be you're gonna be moving up from this league because you have the skill, you have the tools to be a tough guy, but you're just, you know, missing a couple this and that. And and that's the same thing. I mean, I've seen guys going to that league and being tough, but not going anywhere else. And that's the point is that if you go in that league, you want to move up. There's good hockey players now. The league is a lot better than what it used to be, okay? Um, good players. But but to see the, the fighting the way it is right now when it's staged, to me, I think it's, it's like I said, I'll say it again, it's disrespectful to the game. And I don't take any away from these guys because it's a tough job. They have to do it. But... Um, and please stop shaving your head like a mohawk or something like that. <laughs> please, guys, come on. <laughs> seriously, seriously, I, I'm like, hey, like I said, maybe one day I would. I might be uh, 
shaving my head, but first of all, I need to have hair for that, so I don't have any. <laughs> oh man, I get where you're coming from, man. I, I I understand the league's not for everybody. I'd like it in the in the sense that it's it's the only league like it. So I I try not to take it like if I if I put it in its own realm to where it's not. I don't put it in the mix with the NHL, ECHL. I put it in its own world kind of deal, and that's where. That's where I appreciate it. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'll, I was like, you know, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea for sure. But like you like you said, you don't take away from the guy's toughness. They're still throwing down every night. But I do understand where you're coming from as far as, you know, it's not it's not the typical hockey fight. It's it's a league where it's no, going to fight exactly. first. Yeah, and so you know, I totally understand it, it, that. And that's the part that to me is, and once again, I, I laced them up. I was out there. I, I got hit. I give hits. And 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 I, it doesn't sit well with me when I see things like that happening, you know. Right. Because, in in but like I said, I'm an old school guy. I'm I'm, I'm a dinosaur, so uh, maybe that's the way it is right now. But uh, back in the days, we don't see no cross check, no hit from behind. We didn't have because people, players had to answer to someone. Would you something now, dirty would, coming would, from your perspective? From your perspective, would you say the game was safer back then than it is now today? Oh, right now it's it's, it's impossible to play. First of all, the guys are so big, so fast. The training is better. The, the, everything is better. But the fact that they can still run a guy and hit him in the head and there's no consequences, there's no price to pay. Because, you know, you did something dirty out there, you had to answer at some point, Okay. Sooner or later, you had to answer. And if it was not you, it was your tough guy. Things would get settled. The two guys would go at each other. They would fight. And that's it. That's the end of it. There was nothing going down the road and say, well, I'm going to see you in three months. And I'm going to see you next year. No, it was dealt right there. Okay? But now you see things like hits from behind, cross checks in the face, um, elbow to the head, or knee on knee, and then, you know, and right. nobody is accountable for that anymore because there's nobody to send a message saying, listen, if you do dirty shit like that, you're going to be responsible. And nobody's taking care of that anymore. And that's the part of the, the game that I see. That's why you see so many uh, bad injuries, bad calls on, on, on players that say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go in and run it. You know, you, you didn't do that back then because – there was there was a reason. You look over your shoulder and say, oh, shit, if I do something, something's going to happen to me or I'm going to have to pay the price. Now, these days, nobody does it. Everybody's wearing a visor. Everybody's doing, you know, their own shit. Right. That's, that's the, the game has changed so much. And, and it, to me, is I miss the old days. Oh, I, I didn't say, you know, it's not like you had to have a, a, a game with five, six, seven, eight fights, but... I remember watching games where it was really intense. Uh, the adrenaline was there, and you had one fight, maybe two fights, but that was it. But that was a good hockey game, up and down, and solid hit, and in good hockey. Oh, and yeah. now, today, now is like I said, they, they, they take everything away, and what they're going to do next? Make a skate on the 200 Olympic size ring, so nobody can hit each other. And it's, hey. Actually, that's that's if that's the way you want to play the game, that's you want to eliminate all the bad, dirty plays and all that. Put every every rink out there on the Olympic size. 
because all those fast skaters going to get around you guys like David and McKinnon and all these guys. Oh yeah, they're going to work circle around you. There's not be no tough guys. They're not going to be no dirty hit either because you can't catch up with the guys. But you get you know you put twelve guys on the on small surface, big guys uh, going twenty five thirty miles per hour now, and and accidents going to happen. But there's no consequences to your action out there. You can hit somebody and say, hey, I'll, I'll get suspended. It's okay. But I, I still have all my chiclets. I still have all my life and everything. But you don't get the embarrassment of, of getting beat up and, and beat up bad. That's what I'm saying. You know, that was the, back then you had to answer to that, that dirty hit or that dirty cross check or something. But exactly. they don't do that anymore. That's the part. That's the part of the game that I think is just, to me, is is change and and it, it's still hockey. I love hockey. Don't get me wrong, but I don't watch it as much because now we see two guys fighting. They're more like dancing with the stars more than anything else. You know? <laughs> right. Um, grab his jersey. Grab his jersey. Pull, 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 pull. One down. Go down. That's it. Oh yeah, it's all. That's all it is. Um. I'm the same way. I personally, I just don't watch anymore. Um, and like you said, you know, even you can go to a hockey game and enjoy it without fights. Um, yeah. Like, like, like I said, my, I always say my favorite game I ever watched on, I didn't get to see it live, but on TV was the Eastern Conference Finals between the Lightning and the Bruins in 2011. It was just hits back and forth. It was a one to zero game, so I didn't need to see a hundred goals to enjoy it. It was just good, hard nosed hockey. And I mean, I don't. Yeah. That's that's all you need. But now it's it's the hard nosed part that's taken out. That physical aspect is taken out. And then, like you said, when stuff does get physical, nobody's accountable. So, you know, that's not that's not the game I grew up watching and grew up grew up loving. So it's just it's not for me. Well, but even in, we were when we were practicing, okay, we were practicing. We were giving body checks. We were laying the people in the board, and and that was the way it, you're supposed to play. So when you get in the real game, you're like, okay, I'm expected to be hit, or I'm going to have to hit this guy. But today, nobody hits anybody. They all wear those, you know, fancy color shirts. Don't hit me, I don't hit you. But then in the game, when something like that happens, and it's like, oh God, somebody got hurt. Yeah, because you run the guy from from behind, and you knew you're not supposed to do it, but you don't have to worry about anything else. You run a guy from behind 20 years ago. I tell you what. You didn't finish the game. You did not finish the game. And if not, your captain or your best player will come to you and say, listen, you did something. Father. You better answer your bell because I don't want to pay the price for you. Because that's what we would do. We would skate around, grab the best player on the team and say, listen, if this guy doesn't fight me back, I'm coming after you. And the guys are like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. I said, I don't care. You're the best player. You tell your guy to show up, some respect, get some balls. And get out there and fight me. And that's, they wouldn't be long. Two, three shifts later, the guy would skate by the bench and nod you, and you get out there and you take care of business. But no, you don't do that today. You just see people running around and, and, and career being over because the guy hit another guy. Like I said, uh, I don't understand the, the, the game and I don't understand the way that the fighting is done. But hey, I hope it never goes away. Uh, I like a good scrap once in a while, but the way they're doing it right now is just doesn't doesn't do anything for me anymore. Exactly. Doesn't get me excited. Doesn't get me excited. Right. I'm just like I because I used to never I used to never miss a game because uh, I mean I grew up a Lightning fan growing up down here in Florida 
Um, I mean, I used to never miss a game. I'd put everything on hold. Now I, I haven't watched a game on TV. I think I, well, I maybe watched two, but it was because I'm at my father-in-law's house or like my uncle was over and my uncle my uncle watches the game, so I'll turn it on for him. But I, I don't watch anymore. I just don't. It's, I'm, like, I'm not going to waste an hour and a half or two hours of my time watching something yeah. I don't even like anymore. So You could just um, catch up the game on the internet. Yeah, exactly. The highlight. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, man, you know, it's been it's been great having you on. I can't thank you enough. Um you know, for coming on to the podcast and talking about your career I and mean, what a career you did have. And I can't thank you enough also for you. You were really early. I think you were in the group early on. I think um, I forget who invited you in or maybe you found it, but you were, you've been in the Facebook group for such a long time. And, you know, I can't thank you for all you contributing to it and I guess promoting it or sharing stuff or, you know, giving, giving the boys some stories and everything like that. So I, I really do appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure. Trust me. I enjoy, uh, what I've done, I mean, I, I I give a lot back, but what I got in return is 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 priceless. I mean, I got lots of friends. I got lots. Of, I got to travel a whole lot. I got to meet some awesome people, and 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 I did something. But for the young people out there, I want you to. I'm gonna ask you something. Please take a look at the old players 20, 35 years ago, 30 years ago. The, 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 the tough guys. Look at those tough guys and look at the way they do the job and the way it's done today. And, and just just have an open mind when you look at it. You, you'll see the difference. You, you, you will sit there and you understand this. okay, this is not staged. This is what just happened. I mean, if you ever watch Wendell Clark, okay, uh, he was not staged, okay? There's nothing you can do about that Wendell Clark guy. I mean, he was so intense. I mean, he would just he would just go and and it was everything was done in a purpose. So I mean I can name you a bunch of guys like that. Oh yeah, Austin for sure. Nelly. I mean Chris Nyland. I mean uh, even back in the days when Dave Schultz the Hammer was good. I mean the Flyers were scary looking, but you know that that they did fight, but uh, to protect each other. They didn't just fight for the for the sake of fighting. So it was all done for the the, the the best of the team. So it was good. Like I said, it's a different era. We all live and learn. And I'm I'm one of them too. So just happy that I've been part of it and I uh, I made a I made a career out of this. So it's good. It's a good time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all the people out there. And, and like I said, um, thank you for the support. The website is awesome keep uh, bringing people on board we need more people um just have an open mind just 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 have a lot of respect for the guys that went out there and did it so uh, because if you never lace them up you never got involved in the fight like that you'll never know but trust me it takes a it takes a toll on you absolutely man well thanks again for coming on jock you have yourself a good day hey thank you very much and uh happy new year again everybody happy new year Bye. bye